Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. If you have your Bible, open it up to 3 John. Open up to 3 John. It is in the very back of your Bible. If you have your phone, you can bring it up. Well, I'm going to read through the whole letter today. Um, it is, don't be overwhelmed, it's only 15 verses, okay? And then we're going to go back through and we're going to pick a few out. But as we go into it, as we start to read it, let me kind of set the scene for you a little bit. Give you some like cast and characters so it makes a little more sense. John is writing this letter to his friend Gaius. You'll see his name right off the bat in the first verse. What he's writing to though is he's, it seems, is my best understanding is John has some friends that he has sent on a missionary journey from his church wherever he's at. He's sent them to go visit Gaius. They've done, they've, they've done their ministry work. They've gone, they've been with him. And now they have traveled back and given a report to John about how, how Gaius is doing leading this church. And so John is writing to him specifically. And he's also including a couple names in this letter that we'll see as we go on. But, but remember, John's tone the whole time that he's been writing these letters is he's looking for people, really, if we could say it this way, he's looking for people who have been integrous to the faith. They have remained true to the teachings of Jesus. They have followed after the authority and the teaching of the apostles of Jesus Christ. And so John is looking for some of the people that he has ministered to, that he has relationship with, and he's asking, are you still walking with him? Now, it's been such a theme as we've gone through these last several weeks where we're just going, are people still holding on to the true teaching of Jesus? And so as we read that, we're going to see how Gaius measures up to this. I'll kind of break this up with a little bit of commentary as we go. But then again, we're going to jump back to it to consider how we partner with and how we look at local outreach partners, how we look at missionaries locally here at Good Shepherd Church. All right. So verse 1, 3 John, not the gospel of John. Remember the letters of John, back of your Bible, by revelation. Here's what it says. The elder, probably John writing this letter, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. He says, beloved, I, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. One thing I want to point out here at the top is notice how John does not see a separation, a distinction between the health of someone's soul and the health of their physical body. It's an important thing. John, as he's writing this letter, he sees that these two things should be integrated, that we as Christians, we can't just care about people's spiritual health while neglecting people's physical health or neglecting emotional health. All of these things matter to God and all of these things should be brought into harmony as we grow in spiritual maturity. It's, it's, um, it, it'd, be, it'd be a foreign concept to think that we can mature as Christians, but not develop ourselves in our emotional health, the way we care for others, the way we see others, and the way that we would also care about and pursue other people's physical health around us. Does that make sense? As it goes well with your soul. He says, for I rejoiced greatly with the brothers. The brothers would be the friends that John sent out. They came back and he said, I rejoiced greatly with the brothers who came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That line should not surprise us at all. These guys come back from their missionary journey. They come back, they tell John what's been going on. They say, man, this guy, Gaius, he is walking in the truth of Jesus. And John's like, there is no greater joy that I have in my soul than to hear that my beloved children are walking in the truth. He says, beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. They were strangers to you who testified 
to your love before the church. So these guys actually came back to the church and they said, man, this Gaius, he just loved us so well. He was so hospitable. He took care of us. And they got up in front of the whole church where John was at and they just told all the other people about how faithful and how loving and how kind Gaius was when he was treating these missionaries as they came his way. He says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they, have not, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Your version may say they have accepted nothing from the pagans. Their message was not compromised at all. They're not accepting bribes. They're not accepting funds from other people. They are true, they're true messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. This is just a little side note for all of us this morning. I would never follow a leader who is not himself submitted to someone else's authority. Be that the authority of Jesus Christ, be that the authority of an elder board at some church, be that the authority of other pastors in his life, it is a dangerous thing to follow after somebody who does not seek counsel from authority that's speaking into their life. That's how John sees it here. He says, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. He says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Really, I think John's whole message in these few letters breaks down in this sentence right here. He says, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. Way to go, Demetrius. He sounds awesome, right? We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Again, just like last week, he says, I have so much to write you, but I would rather not write it with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. So there it is. There's the end of the John letters. It's this individualized letter written to some guy, Gaius, that really John's getting all of his information from these local missionaries who had gone out from his church, gone and been with Gaius for a little bit, come back and give him this great report. And it's, it really is, it's as simple as that, that John is giving us kind of a template and a blueprint, I think, in some ways in these passages on how we can frame and look at people who do good gospel work, but aren't just necessarily anchored inside of one church. I think as we look at that today, what that means is people who are doing local missions work, local work inside the community as kind of gospel outposts in the community, serving the city we live in, but they're not necessarily doing all of their work within these four walls. I love these four walls. I love to come inside this church every single Sunday and sing until my voice cracks right here on the front row. If you want to come sit by me sometime, you'll hear it anytime you like. I love it. I love the Sunday gathering. But there are so many people in our community. Have you noticed that the traffic on Sunday morning is just really easy to get places versus Friday night? That means that there's still work for the church to do and people coming into a church on Sunday mornings. Listen, like if we want to get competitive with other churches, we're in the wrong game because there aren't enough seats in every single church in this community to seat all the people of Loveland, Colorado. So there's still plenty of work to be done. And, and our job is not to just see this through this one lens uh, of this church, Good Shepherd Church, saying if we could just get people here, then we could tell them about the good news of Jesus. That'd be a horrible way to think. Really, the Bible says to our, our role as pastors at best is to equip you, equip the saints for the work of ministry, that you would go out and share the gospel with your friends wherever they're at. 
And beyond that, there are people and organizations, brilliant ones, fantastic ones. I'm going to show you a few of them today, doing amazing gospel-centered work in our community. And it makes good sense as the church to partner with them and to send people and resources and money and time and prayer their way because they do amazing things. One of the things that has been a backbone for this church ever since it's been uh, established is a care for the kingdom of God outside of these walls. This church, if you just would study the history, if you'd get to know some of the stories of people that have been going to this church for a long, long time, know that it was founded, it was built on a care, especially for global missions. Right now, we currently give uh, just north of 10% of our annual budget goes out the door to our 12 global missionaries around the world. And that's fantastic, isn't it? See, and you got to know that, just like Katie said, if you'll participate at all with us financially, one-tenth of every dollar that you give is out the door. It's going to places like Life for the Innocent. It's going to places like, like Thailand and Malaysia, going to support church planting movements over there. It's going to places like Haiti, serving the, one of the poorest countries in the Caribbean, if not the poorest country and the most chaotic country in the Caribbean. And it's, it's building up pastors, equipping saints there. You have to know that we are involved in that way. I remember my, my first real exposure to this church. Like I, I've told you this story so many times. Uh, I, was, I was coming to church not because I was interested in Jesus. I was coming to church because I was interested in Katie. So I'll just clear the door, right? Like that's, that is why I was here, right? And, and not too long after I started, like I, I was... I was not the brightest, but I wasn't that dumb. I knew that if I wanted to be with Katie more, I just should just come to this church more often because she hung out here all the time. So here I am, we're sitting up there in church and all of a sudden there's a missions trip to Guatemala. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, I'll go. Like, that sounds great. I think I got invited actually by Katie's mom, which I was like, that's a, that's a poor mistake. Like, I'm gonna get seven days in a row just hanging out with your daughter. It's gonna be amazing, right? That's all I was thinking. I was one track minded. That trip to Guatemala, we spent time with orphans. We spent time in the Guatemala, Guatemala City dump, ministering to the poorest of the poor in, in one of the most shocking states of poverty that I had ever seen. I, I still believe that every single person should go on a global short-term trip at some point in their life. It will give you a perspective for the world and it will help you see that the kingdom of God is not just American-centric. And that's important for us to be reminded of from time to time. So I go to Guatemala. That's where I actually, the missionary pulls me aside one night and I don't really know how to explain it. We're on a rooftop somewhere there in Guatemala City and he just spoke to me in a way and it was probably the Lord speaking through him where I just said, I, I want to do this now. I want to give my life to the Lord. And that's where I actually became a Christian was on that trip, right? Amazing. So I come home. Yeah, praise God, right? I come home. I come home and now I'm starting to see it's not just global missions work that this church does. It's also just a ton of things that we do locally. Primarily what that meant for over 10 years was faith in action. How many of you all, you participated in a faith in action at least one time, multiple times? You have, how many of you just got the several color t-shirts somewhere in your drawer, somewhere in your house, right? Come on. We just did like different colors every year. And faith in action was this day where we would close the church on Sunday morning. We'd partner with some other churches in town, Faith Church up the road. They've always been good friends of ours. And we would close the church. We wouldn't have Sunday service and we'd go out and we would serve somewhere in the city. And it was, it was awesome. It was a great time. And honestly, 2020 happened. Y'all remember that? It was awful. It was terrible. I was reminiscing with somebody just yesterday about, man, remember it wasn't just COVID. Remember it was like later summer and it was like snowing ash on us from the fires. It was a great year, right? Fantastic year. But Faith in Action, 
it was primarily us going in and serving schools and obviously everything changed with how you would organize a large scale volunteer day going into the schools. Not only that, but in that time frame, Stansbury closed, now Mary Blair's closing. And I, I hope to see Faith in Action be resurrected one day. I really do. Um, I hope we can go do it again someday and we'll still press into that. Uh, Comball is completely changing right up the road, right? And it's gonna be a completely different school here in another year. And so we'll see what happens there. But for now, what we're doing is we're just seeing, okay, well, God, what, what partnerships in this community already exist? Which ones do we already have? Which ministry leaders already actually attend this church? And who can we equip and support more deeply? Because God has always been a God who wants the church to serve the city. If we see this in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 29, he says to Jeremiah, seek the welfare of the city that you're in. Now, a reminder, that wasn't Jerusalem that he was calling him to serve in. It wasn't the holy city. It was, this, it was a pagan city filled with all sorts of rebellion against God. Sound familiar at all, Loveland, Colorado? Yeah? The city that he was called to seek the welfare of was not a city that already served Jesus. It was a city that he was called to represent Jesus to. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, in its prosperity, you will find your welfare. Flash forward to the New Testament. Jesus has come and he's done his thing. He's, he's ministered to everybody. He's brought the kingdom. He's ushered in this new age. He's completed what he came here to do. He died on the cross, was resurrected. And now as he's ascending, as he's leaving, he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Can we throw that slide up? Acts 1.8, Pentecost Sunday, last Sunday, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem is the first place he lists. Guess where they were when this happened? Jerusalem. So when, when my power comes upon you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, when you're gifted by the Holy Spirit of God, which by the way, every saved person in this room already is, he says, go now into the city that you already live and be my representative in the city that you're living in. Go into, the, go into Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So we can't just do global missions. Global missions is, honestly, in a lot of ways, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. We love sending our checks. We love bringing them here. We love sending our resources and going and equipping with those people. But you know where a lot of the dirty work happens? Right here in our own city. You want to start getting messy in the church a little bit? You want to start bringing some of the grime of our city in the church a little bit? That's when us Christians are going to get a little uncomfortable, aren't we? Wait, who's that sitting in my seat? And what are they wearing to church today? Right? I'm telling you, though, the good work that is to be done is right here in our city. It doesn't mean we're going to ever detach from what we're doing globally. It also just means we have to dream of more that we could do for our city. We have to dream of more that we could do for our city. Worst case scenario, churches, I think we have this tendency, all of us as Christians, to make the church more like a country club, right? And we come in and, yeah, we sure we pay our dues a little bit and, you know, we talk about the weather. Or, you know, I've never been a part of a country club. Like, what do you even talk about? I don't know. You know, my handicap isn't as good as I want it to be and you always beat me in golf or whatever, you know, like, and we just come and we, and we speak the lingo and we talk the talk a little bit and we get around other people that are doing the same things as us and we, we kind of have our little click and our own little sect of the world that we just come and we recluse to, we get out of all the mess and we come in here and we just go, yeah, these are my people. They think like me, they speak like me, they vote like me, they look like me and it all just feels really good in here, right? I think that is one of the worst versions of what church should look like. We are not a country club. We should be, we should be like a 
a, a, a military base outpost stationed in the city that we're living in, right? Like, I just think it is the most boring version of Christianity for you to make it all about yourself and all about the church that you belong to. But if you want to lift your eyes up and you want, to get your, you want to get in the game, you want to get involved in what's going on in the city that we're living in, you want to start pushing back darkness, you want to start knocking the teeth out of the devil and what was going on in our area, then you start doing some of the work that's in our city already to be done. You start caring for the physical needs of the poor and the marginalized of our city. You start caring for those who are emotionally broken and hurting. You start caring for all the spiritual darkness that's going on. You start worshiping, you start praying towards the city. And I'm telling you, this isn't, I'm not trying to over-romanticize this. This gets grimy if we're going to do it well. But I just think there is so much to be had in the way of souls, in the way of, in the way of brokenness, in the way of hardship that the church can step into and remedy. I've said this so many times from this stage. I think it is, it is at some fault of the church for letting the government care for all the poor and least of these in the world that we're living in. It is the privilege of the church to step into those spaces and care for those people. But it's not easy, church. It's hard work. So here's the question I wanna ask. How do we as the church of Jesus Christ, how do we be fellow workers in the truth? How do we support missions that are already happening in the city that we're living in? I think the first thing that we do is that we practice hospitality with them. We practice hospitality with them. Notice that if he's gonna, if John writing this letter is encouraging Gaius and he's opposing the other guy with the hard to pronounce name, I'm not even sure if I pronounced it correctly, right? But what he's saying basically is, you took care of the people I sent to you and he did not and he, he doesn't even want them in his own house. There is such an underrated play in the New Testament when it just comes to this word, hospitality. And hospitality, I love you. It is not just Joanna gainsing up your house with whatever season is happening right now, okay? Go get it if you want to go put some spring flowers on your table right now. Awesome, all right? But let's not pretend that's hospitality. Hospitality is bringing in those who are wandering into your own home and making them feel comfortable. It's taking care of people who might not think like you. It's, it's bringing those people who don't look like you, talk like you, act like you, bringing them into your most intimate spaces and having a meal with them having deep conversation with them, loving them, praying with them. And I can't help but notice that what John says in, in verse five is he says, beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. As in these missionaries came over to, came over to Gaius and they were strangers to him, but he took care of them and he fed them and he made sure they had warm clothes and he made sure they were set. He was hospitable. He opened his doors. He opened the church doors to them and took care of them. You gotta practice hospitality. It is, it is, I just would encourage you, look through the New Testament as you read through it and see, to your, see for yourself how many times hospitality comes up. The second thing that we see is that we wanna labor with them in the truth. He says this in verse eight, therefore we ought to, we ought to as churches support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. We, we don't want to have this just, uh, one track mind when it comes to the church. We want to build up this little church and make this little kingdom awesome. We want to be fellow workers with people who are already doing good work for the truth in the city that we're living in. We want to join them in what they're doing. And we don't just want to join them physically. We also, number three, is we want to pray that all may go well with them. We don't just send good wishes. We don't just send good vibes. We don't just hope that everything goes good in the work that they're doing, these, these ministries that we're supporting. We pray for them. We pray for their welfare. We pray that all may be well in their body and in their soul. 
right? Because when you pray for someone, the difference between just like wanting things to go well, like, so let's, let's bring up uh, um, a missionary. Let's like talk about Pastor Marcel down in Haiti. I love that guy. He's one of the most joyous filled guys I've ever met in my life. But I don't just hope that things go well for Marcel. I pray for Marcel consistently because when I'm praying for him, I can't help but get myself involved in now his mission. Does that make sense? When you're hoping for something, you're like, dude, I love you. Hope things go well. See you later. But when I pray, when I'm going, Spirit of the living God, would you find a way for Marcel to continue to witness faithfully in Port-au-Prince and in St. Mark where he lives? And would you just continue to expand his reach in the kingdom of God? Now, all of a sudden, I'm joining his mission. My heart is now linked to his heart. I'm actually caring about the things that he's caring about. This, his success and my success are now one and the same. Do you see that? So we don't just hope, we don't just wish, we pray and we contend. And so as I show you these missionaries, I want you to think about who am I gonna put on my list to be praying for? John writes it this way in verse two. He says, beloved, I pray. He doesn't just hope. He doesn't just say, man, good vibes sent your way. You know, that always kills me on social media. It was like, this terrible thing is going on in my life. Please send your thoughts and good vibes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that, that's gonna do nothing. You know what I mean? Like, we're just gonna put that out there. Like, no, I'm gonna pray for you is what I'm gonna do, right, church? I'm gonna pray for you. Pray that I'll make be good in your health as it goes well with your soul. So here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna show you half a dozen of the local outreach partners that we have. And let me just say, I'm so proud of Katie and for her team, not just for building up these relationships, but also for creating strategy and for getting all this put together, getting funds and resources sent their way. They've just done so much good work in showing us all of our partners and getting this all linked their way. As this goes, you're gonna see a QR code on everyone's screen, every single tab that we go through. If you, let me just say, QR codes are like all the rage right now, right? You go to a restaurant, you don't even have to have a menu, just like, give me, that, give me that puppy and I'll get that going on my screen. But I noticed that not everyone knows how to use a QR, every, not everyone knows how to use a QR code. Let me say it that way, right? So if you don't, if you've never tried it before, get out your phone, get out your camera and your camera will just grab that thing and you just click a link and you're there. Like that's what it does. It's incredible. You should try it sometime. Here's the goal in today. We're gonna try to get you these people in front of you, and we want to try to have you subscribe to which one that you could see yourself supporting or which one you feel like the Holy Spirit could just kind of pricking at your heart that you need to be more involved in. And as I go through them, we're gonna have some time at the very end to respond to see, okay, which one of these do I feel most caught up in? So let me just show you a few of them. If you want to, if you're like, that's it for me, I don't even want to wait, go ahead and get your, your phone out. And that's gonna just give you a prompt to fill out your name, your email, and that's gonna get you on a list for us so that when one of these missionaries, one of these partners has a need, we can just send it right your way. Does that, this make sense, church, all right? I know it's logistical, but it's good, all right? So the first one that we're gonna do is Be the Gift. Be the Gift is a wonderful organization that we've partnered with for a long, long time that seeks to, uh, seeks to partner with single moms in, in housing resources for them. So building up home repairs, building homes for all sorts of single moms, one thing that is coming up close for them is they have a construction day that is coming up on July 22nd. Now, people who would maybe sign up for something like this is someone who is construction handy, but also people who can just sit with single moms and their kids while construction is happening. Both are vitally important. So it's not just July 22nd. If you're like, I'm out of town that day, great. We will still get signed up for this if that piques your curiosity and we will send you other things that come their way. So be the gift, our wonderful Marilyn Johnson has done a splendid job running that um, and we just love her, love them. And uh, so they do a lot of stuff with single moms. The next thing that we're gonna look at is Embrace Grace. 
We've talked about this ministry a lot over the last couple years. It just started here a couple years ago. This is a pro-life ministry meeting moms, new unexpectedly pregnant moms in the middle of their decision to choose life for their baby. And they come around these moms and love them, put them in a discipleship program and wrap them around love here at the church. And then we get to throw a shower for them. Um, what, what they're looking for specifically in needs of people are people who can come around and help uh, equip these moms with resources and, f- and food while they're going through this class. Uh, right now, let me just celebrate y'all's generosity real quick before we go any further. Um, we have put financial needs for Embrace Grace in front of you before. Right now, we have paid for everything that we did last five moms that we had last semester with six babies because there was one set of twins if you're doing that math, right? Um, and they still have $6,000 sitting in the bank ready for about 10 more blooms in the fall that we're hoping to have. Yeah? Come on. That's your guys' generosity at work already. So um, just get on that list. If you, if you are bent by pro, pro-life movements, things that are going on in that way, loving these mamas, this is a great way for you to get involved. The next one that we have is a ministry that we've supported for a long time as well, Front Porch Downtown, serving warm meals to the homeless every weekday. Right now, Good Shepherd Church takes two to three Wednesdays a month where we provide the food and then we go and serve the meal on the first third. And if there is a fifth Wednesday, we do that as well. And so this is one where uh, if you are like, hey, I don't got any time of the day to go run down there and serve a meal, then great. We need food because we supply the food and then we take it down there. If you're like, I don't have the money. Uh, Ground beef's getting expensive. I can't be doing that all the time, but I've got time on my hands. Well, great. You don't have to just come bring the food. You can actually come and serve the meal. I would love it if we had just a list of people who signed up for Front Porch that it was so long caring for the homeless people downtown that we had to go to Tom down at Christ Church Church of the Rockies, Pastor Tom, and we had to go, bro, we need some more days for you to throw our way, right? Two to three days a month is good. It could be better. We could take more. I'm sure of it. This this church has gotten bigger, so it only makes sense that we would have a few more days that we take up down there. Amen, somebody? All right. So that's Front Porch. The next one we're going to look at is Laga Vista. Laga Vista is the trailer home community that is just up the road from us on 57th Street, and uh, we have partnered with them for a long, long time. Uh, what Duncan and Lady Howard do there is nothing short of local missions work. They, they sold their life as they knew it, moved into that home to minister to, to love, and to care for the residents of that community there. And so they run programs for kids. They fix up trailers. They do all sorts of different kinds of work. Uh, right now, what they have going on is a summer reading program on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9.45 to 11. So this is what you do. You go in there, you sit in front of a bunch of kids, and you read to them. And you love them, you show up, and it's the ministry of presence, just being there with them, loving on that community. They also, they have several construction days that sign up. And so if you, again, are a construction-minded or gifted person, uh, July 8th is a construction day that's coming up. And I'd love for you to consider that one or any other day coming up. The next one we want to highlight is Serve 68. This is probably one of our newest partnerships as a church. They came and they helped us run our Thanksgiving Day event last year where we served meals to, I don't know, about 50 families in our community last year. We served Thanksgiving dinner to them. And then we followed that up with a Christmas outreach event where we brought all those same families back in and uh, used the church, help provide gifts to those families for Christmas. Surf 68 is wonderful because what they do is they partner with organizations through the local church. So their mission is to try to get people into the, the building, actually the physical building of a church while they're having physical needs met. Right now, Serve 68 has about 600 families from Loveland, Colorado, traveling up to Fort Collins to have some of their needs met. So we talked actually with HNS, House Enabling Navy Services, and we kind of said, hey, what do we do with this request that's coming our way? And one of the things that we have been asked as a church is if we would consider 
having a Serve 6-8 resource center here in our church one time a month. That's gonna hopefully overlap with times that HNS is closed up the road. So it's gonna probably be the first Thursday of the month, potentially starting in July. But we are gonna need uh, at least 10, 15, 20, maybe even more volunteers to help staff this resource center. It is gonna be mobile, so they're gonna load it in and load it out of our church every time we have it. Um, but man, we are hoping to do that again, July 7th. It's gonna run from 10 to two. So especially if you are retired, if you are a single mom, if you're work from home with some flexibility in your schedule, come on, anybody else? That's, that's good stuff. You could come July 7th, first Thursday of the month from 10 to two. This is, a, this is a newer partnership with us, like I said, but I think it's gonna be a tremendous uh, potential for us to serve some of the most desperate in our community who need services in this way, right? And right now, there, I mean, can you wrap your mind around it? 600 families that are in such critical need of resources. They're going from Loveland up to Fort Collins to get resources in, in a year. That's incredible. And what an opportunity we have to serve these people. The last one, and it's last for a reason, One Hope. One Hope, uh, about a year ago, launched the Colorado House of Prayer in Fort Collins, Colorado, in the Old Stone Church up in Fort Collins, right outside of Old Town. Beautiful building. And what they hope to do, what Blake does so well with this, I don't know where you're sitting, Blake, I saw you this morning, but unite churches of Northern Colorado in one house of prayer and worship. And so, man, I'll tell you what, we can meet all the physical needs we want to, we can take care of all the pregnant moms we want to. We can do all of the different things we want to. But if we aren't engaging in the spiritual battle that's happening in this region, we're already losing. We're already behind. And so I love that One Hope has a heart to unite the churches into one physical space. And so, man, the biggest need that they have is drop-in worship and prayer that just happens from eight to five. My biggest ask for you is go up there sometime and check it out. Just sit with other people from other churches, other pastors leading, other worship leaders leading. Go and, and, and the Psalms say, that where there is unity, God commands his blessing. And so I love that this is working in unity to bring unified corporate worship and prayer into our region. They also have a huge financial need right now. They're getting their whole sound system redone and they need about $50,000, which is an amazing cost deal to get their whole sound system redone in that building. And so if you feel like partnering financially, you can absolutely do that as well, okay? So I know I just ran through those real quick. Here's the deal. Those people are all here this morning and they're gonna be in the family room. And I would love to, even if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this one. I don't need to meet with them. Go see the ministry leaders in the family room before you end. We hoped to do this out on the lawn with some big canopies, but then, you know, God had other plans to bring the rain this morning, right? Golly, just crazy amounts of rain. So they're inside. It's gonna be tight in there. I know it, but go see them. Go say hi. Go give them a hug. Go encourage them. Here's how I want you to respond for the next few minutes as we end the message today. The response and the challenge that I have for every single person who calls this church home is I would love for every single one of us to be physically present in one of these ministry spaces by the end of the year. Whether that means you're dropping in for worship and prayer a couple times a, a month or however that works out, or whether you're partnering uh, with Laga Vista or with Be The Gift to go serve and to go do some construction once, twice before the year ends. I want every single person who calls Good Shepherd home to physically be with one of these or the other five that we support. You can see more on the website there. But let's be present in our community. The line that Kent always had for us as a church, Pastor Kent, he always had for us as a church was, if Good Shepherd closed tomorrow, would anybody in this city even care? It's a good question we ought to ask. I know you'd be sad, I'd be sad, but would your neighbor care at all? Would your coworker know? Like, I hope the answer to this question is unequivocally 
yes, our community would miss us deeply because we're so involved, not just resource-wise, but with our time, with our volunteering, our presence, our prayer, our passion to go out and serve this community. So be physically present before the end of the year and commit to praying for these ministries as part of your normal prayer life. For, for my small group, you know what that looks like? We have a shared prayer calendar that we do with our small group. So every day there's somebody that we're praying for. And, and right now there is a global missions that lands on every Thursday. I saw that Sundays were open. Isaac and Serena are group leaders. I thought maybe we put a local outreach person on there, start rotating that in there. That's great. Okay, that's what we'll do for our small group. What's your normal prayer routine look like? Again, we don't just do this global glance and this local look. We don't just put that information in front of you just because we think it's fun. No, we want you to be praying for these people. Because if we're praying for them, then we can't be detached from their mission. We are all on the same team. The kingdom of God is big. It's huge, and it's all over northern Colorado, and it's always advancing. It's never retreating. So come on, church. Let's get in the fight. Let's get in the fight. Let's go out there, and let's make a mess of the evil stuff that's going on in our city. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be quiet. We're going to take about five minutes. These things are just going to scroll through across the screen. And so if you want to grab a QR code, go for it. If QR codes aren't your thing, they're not your jam, we have physical paper that you could actually write on with an actual pen over there across the hall. All right? All right, because here's the deal. I don't, I don't wanna just like guilt you with human emotion. I'd love for the Holy Spirit to stir you in a certain direction today. Those are two totally different things with two totally different outcomes, right? So as these are scrolling through, I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, come. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to pray? Where should I be involved, right? So five minutes, we'll look at those. I'll come back out and close this in just a sec.
Would you guys stand? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just call each of us into a certain space this year. Help us to not see the church as a place where we can just tuck out of the big bad world, but God, help us see the church as a place where we get filled with your spirit, filled with your power to go pour out into the world that we're living in, into the city that we're called to love and to seek the welfare of. God, I pray that you would just supernaturally, uh, just in a Holy Spirit-filled way, would you just equip and gift every single person in this room to go do profound gospel work in this community over the next year. I pray that we as a church would be just be a beacon of hope for those that are physically hurting, for those that who feel like they have no resources left, who feel like they're out of gas emotionally, or who are just completely lost spiritually. Would this just be uh, a, like a city set on a hill where people couldn't help but see the light that was coming out of this place, Jesus. We want people to see you, be transformed by you, know you, and pursue your kingdom all the more deeply, Jesus. We love you and we need you. It's in your name we pray, amen.